All right, it's recording. Oh, good. Oh. It is. This is perhaps it's you. Bitterest podcast out there. I don't know. I don't even know why I said that. I'm Liz. Samantha's over there. I'm here. We have a special guest today. Our resident history nerd, Rochelle. We brought her back. She had such a bad time talking about Alcatraz with us that... I'm surprised she's even friends with us anymore. I know. I be wouldn't honest. be if someone made me talk about Alcatraz. You're like, here's this thing we don't want to talk about. Here we go. Welcome to our podcast. Did I not do that for this episode as well? <laughs> you picked this. You picked this one. We okay. asked yeah. Rochelle We said when we brought Rochelle on to talk about Alcatraz that she could pick the next thing that she came out to talk about. Did she pick the thing that might be even more boring than Alcatraz? And I went, why were we complaining about Alcatraz when there was this stupid Nazi mystery I don't care about? So yeah. boring. Yeah. So you asked for this, Rochelle. Yeah, it's your fault. Yeah, my own fault. Did I fall asleep twice watching this? It took me three times to make it for the segment. That's I'm an insomniac. Did this mystery give you nightmares? I saw something on Twitter. I fell asleep watching it yesterday, which was the second time that that happened. And then I had a weird dream about my grandfather watching like a murder mystery on PBS with me and really liking it, which would not have happened. <laughs> that was not his jam. No. So your nightmare was it more boredom? It wasn't a nightmare. It was just a weird, I was like, why am I dreaming about my dead grandfather? And I was like, because I fell asleep watching an old people show on Film Mysteries. But he was not into Elden Film Mysteries because he was very against even like very mild television violence. So he would not have been into Unsolved Mysteries. Rochelle just gave me a look of disdain. Yeah. He's he's gone, Rochelle. It doesn't matter how you feel. Okay. <laughs> he's on the other side. Okay. Rochelle, you picked this one. Do you now regret picking this one? Yes. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Okay. Liz told me, okay, find something you like in season two. I went to like season episode eight, looked at all the like little mini bios on Amazon.com to see like the description. I was like, Rudolph Hess, I remember that name. Mm, sure, why not? And that's pretty much all that happened. To be fair, season two's not offering a whole lot. So. No, it has been. I'm sorry, listeners. It's, it's not been great. It's, it's been all so far. The highlight was the nudist colony mystery, and by that's, far, that's been it. And that was in like episode three or something. Yeah, we. So, it's been a little bit of a slog. We promised we would watch every single one, so we're doing it. We feel committed, but yeah, we had that mystery with all the dogs that died. We just had some like one, brutal, I'm, sad, like. I don't know. Nothing good. This one I find, I can't explain why I find it so boring, but it was literally putting me to sleep. Did we both say the wrong name last week? Yeah, it turns out we fucked this up before we even started this episode. It's Rudolph Hess, not... Herman Hess. Author Herman Hess, famous for whitewashing Buddhism with Siddhartha. No, that's not who we're talking about. Clearly, high school English classes traumatized me forever. And when I try, I even was like in my brain, like, Liz, don't say the wrong name. Because I knew I was going to. I was like, don't say the wrong name. Don't say the wrong name. And then I did. So we, we had to bring in an expert because we can't be trusted with this mystery. No. And we're going to try and keep our Hesses straight. Liz has proposed that maybe we just make up our own names for this yeah. dude. Rusty Hess. I was going to call him Rusty Hess. He is, I mean, he's a Rusty at heart. Yeah. Truly. Sheriff Pat Hess. That's another one. <laughs> Bumpy the Hess. <laughs> No. I like that's my favorite thing, one. Okay. So far. Also, my other outrage before we started recording okay. today is that I found out that neither Rochelle nor Samantha know okay. anything about Indiana Jones. Are you gonna talk about nothing else this whole episode? Yes, yes, yes because I don't know how to talk about Nazis and not talk about Indiana Jones. And then both of you were like, I think maybe I've seen one and my heart shattered into a thousand pieces. It's quite possible that I haven't seen. 
How is that possible? Indian you had to see the because Nazis melt like wax. At least that like GIF image of the Nazi. No, the I, that rings no bells for me. I don't know. What I don't on your understand how you spent your childhoods, and you've missed out on a very attractive Harrison Ford, and also I an guess. important lesson about the importance of archaeology <laughs> and how terrible Nazis are. See, I would have thought everyone knew that, but here we are. How in this terrible day and Nazis age. are! Yes. Well, thought, no, not everyone knows that. I thought the moral of basically every single movie was, you know what, Nazis are bad, and I would go, yeah, obviously they are. Everybody hates Nazis, but here we are in 2018, and Nazis are like, I don't know, a thing again. Somehow, we have to punch them in the face. <sighs> But yeah. I don't know how to talk to either of you about this subject without Indiana Jones. I, I mean, I, you can make references. I'm not saying we're going to understand I know, them. I know. <laughs> Liz is, looks very exasperated. Just out the window, just like, I'm just done with you I'm guys. Just, I know nothing about music or movies. That's just a fact. I don't feel like I know a lot about movies, but it's fucking Indiana Jones. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Uh, it's, I feel like it's also like too late. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. Is Nicolas Cage in one of those movies? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you can see Liz's face. I'm going to cry. I'm going to weep. No, fucking Harrison Ford is in those movies. In all of them? Yes. yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sean Connery's the dad. There's a couple not a single one, one with Nick Cage? No. No. No, that, that's because nice. National Treasure. Oh, because, that's National Treasure. And <laughs> this is people would have the rioted if they recast Indiana Jones as Nicolas Cage. That would be unacceptable. I didn't say they tried to cast Shia, Shia LaBeouf as the as next his son. Shia is Shia in one of these? Fuck. Or like, I don't know. He was no in one, one of them. That one. That's the new one. The one with Shia in it. It's not even that new anymore. Yeah. Like ten years ago, isn't Shia like just doing weird like art installations around well, the I, world these this days? Was before that, oh okay, yeah, I'm also don't. He's care. doing that thing where he like you go into a room with him and he just stares at you. That's what art is. So is he yeah, trying to be Joaquin cool. Phoenix ten years ago? Maybe, probably. Okay, okay. Anyway, we do have to talk about Rudolph Hess. I was so. gonna be too busy crying that you thought Nicolas Cage was in Indiana Jones. <laughs> she thinks his own national treasure is on par. Thanks for clearing that up for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're across the table from each other. We're fine. We can't fight because I'm of trying to th- what would this podcast know, be? The thing is, I could ask you like any question about horses and it would sound just as stupid to you. Probably. Well, Because sure. I don't know anything about horses. Where, do you, anything where about... do you get their fancy shoes, Samantha? A uh, farrier brings them to you. Oh. What the fuck is that? Yeah, what's a farrier? It's like a blacksmith is what they would be called in the olden days. Why aren't they still called that? I really don't know the answer to that one. That's a bullshit answer. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's because they don't make the shoes anymore, like blacksmiths. Oh. Also, blacksmiths didn't just do horses. They did all kinds of metal work. Sure. Whereas farriers just do. They're de- just dedicated to horseshoes. Yeah, and they also do things like trim the horse's feet in special ways. Like if it has a foot problem, they'll like oh. do a special trim to make them heal faster. Did you watch My Little Ponies as a child and be like, this is so unrealistic? I, n- I was never into My Little Pony. No, because I actually rode horses, so that just seemed dumb to me. Well, it was pretty dumb, but also great. <laughs> I mean, what about my friend, a horse? Yeah, what about my friend, the, a uh, horse? Discount My Little Pony that we are going to be selling as merch. <laughs> as merch. We have a long list of merch we need to get on top of. Bigfoot bug spray. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things I want to put out there. Rochelle, would you buy some Bigfoot bug spray from us? It keeps Bigfoots away and also bugs. Mm, if it did bugs, yes. But <laughs> Bigfoot, I can't substantiate that that's actually going to do anything. We're wearing yeah. some right now. Do you see a Bigfoot? Yeah. See how well it's, it's working. working? Your logic is flawed, but sure. It is not flawed. I mean, there's, there's an alien here. Yeah. There's a Lenny Briscoe here, but there's no Bigfoots here. 
Lenny has pooped from our little outing. Yes, today is the May Day Parade in South Minneapolis. So we were there. Happy May Day. It's a beautiful day for a parade today. Enjoying the festivities. The blizzard is long gone. Long memory. Yep. It's a beautiful, sunny... Snow is dead to us now. Yeah. It's basically summer now. It's like 80 degrees. So nice out. Uh, Was there any other updates? Basically, we don't even know who we're talking (sighs) about in this episode. Yeah, I'm... I don't think there's three. I only had to watch one. (laughs) (laughs) We're just like... It's all about amnesia. Yeah. One of them is a Nazi. The other two people, we don't know that they were Nazis. This episode Rudolph felt so what... long. Yes. Like the, the As Nazi segment. As a person segment, that kept falling asleep, I can confirm that yes, The Nazi really segment long. was so long, and then there were two other mysteries that were full-length mysteries. Yeah. So I don't even this know is how, quite it, the it episode. It defied the laws of time and space, because... For how long that Rudolph Hess session is, that should have been a full hour. There shouldn't be time for other mysteries. It seems like that Rudolph Hess mystery may have originally aired as a two-parter. It does say parts one and two. And they've combined it for Amazon. So I Why? think it's longer than it was intended to be. Why? Because no one could sit through all of that. So how, I don't know how we made it. Anyway, should we start? Yeah, I guess. Okay. So we Samantha, give us the rundown. Yeah, okay. So we begin... Um, with Robert Stack telling us that this is a special segment which takes us to Scotland and Germany, where experts claim it was not Hess who made the momentous f- flight, but a double impersonating him. Isn't so, the phrase experts a little misleading because it's really one dude? Should it be plural they experts? They also said experts like five times in the first two minutes, so I'm like, little heavy, little heavy. Yeah, they're really wanting you to know. So we'll get into it, but there's this flight that takes place where... Uh, Rudolph Hess flies to Scotland and people claim that was not him and we'll talk about who Rudolph Hess is in a second. So, 1933, Adolf Hitler seizes total power in Germany. And while Robert Stack is narrating this, we're seeing a lot of footage of the war and of Hitler and... Also, Robert Stack just standing in a room full of swastikas. Yeah, Robert Stack was in, like, a Hitler museum or something? A Nazi museum at some point? I, I hope it was. They never <laughs> described what that was. No, and I hope it's not just, like, someone's house, because that's A terrifying. shrine to Nazism? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was weird that they never explained why he was in that place. So, by Hitler's side... a special Hitler bunker that I've never mentioned before. <laughs> it's, oh like, it, it's like Robert yeah. Stack's own property. He's like, coming to you live from my Hitler room. So, by Hitler's side is Deputy Reichsfuhrer. Hmm. How do you pronounce that, Rochelle? Help me. Let me take the paper. Help me. I can, I've can. i heard this word. How many unibrows did this person have? Well, he had, he had two regular brows. They were just gigantic. Were they the size of unibrows, oh. though? I don't know. No, yeah. I still testify he's a love child between Henry, Ronald, Henry Rollins and Sam the Eagle from the Muppets. <laughs> um, Deputy Fuhrer is essentially the Deputy easiest name. Deputy Fuhrer. I, yeah, I just, some, sometimes I can't pronounce things. So it's Rudolf Hess. Hess was Hitler's closest confidant and will come to figure in one of the most remarkable mysteries of World War II. Fart noise. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> Rochelle is making some side eye at that. Isn't there a special about like Hitler's sharks? What? In Unsolved Mysteries? No. Oh, just like, no. you know how everything on the History Channel is basically about Hitler or sharks? Yeah. Or they're called well, the Discovery aliens. Channel. Oh. That has shark week. Maybe there's not really a special called Hitler's sharks. Maybe I, I call just the History assume. Channel Hitler Channel, and even I can't watch all of that because. Well, okay, what about Hitler's sharks? He had sharks? I might be making that up. Might be like Dr. Uh... Dr. Evil that wanted freaking laser beams <laughs> on the shark's heads, but it yeah. It could have been. I mean, maybe he did have sharks, I don't know. In 1941, <laughs> the world is astounded to learn that Rudolf Hess has been captured in Scotland, attempting to deliver a peace proposal to secret contacts in the British government. Dun, dun, dun. What? 
Yes. In 1946, in Nuremberg, Hess is sentenced to life in prison. Good. Okay. And then in 1987, Hess is found dead in West Berlin's Spandau prison. He is found in the garden. The cause of death is officially declared a suicide, but his family and, I put in quotation marks, experts are convinced it was murder. Also, this one guy is insisting that we should care whether or not he was murdered, and I was like, sorry, I don't. 93-year-old Nazi war criminal. Hmm, I think he, yeah, it's fine. Like, no one cares. Like, did I kill him? Because I would be okay with that. Yeah, he's also, dead. That's all that matters. Also, the, my one the big world thing, is a better place because of it. Yeah, yeah. But my one big thing for the whole thing is it's known he's tried to kill himself before. This isn't the first, second, third, or fourth. I think it's the fourth or fifth time he tried to kill himself so but not, was it murder, Rochelle? Okay. He was 93. He's older than most people make it. I, but I'm they sorry. didn't want him to talk about English secrets, even though he had been in that prison that For whole time and, and could have told it at any point. They killed him. They're just so, grasping at straws. Yeah, it does seem like it. Colonel Eugene Bird, who was an army person at Spandau Prison for some reason. Okay, so this is what I didn't understand at the beginning. <laughs> okay. I'm just following my notes where they lead me, which is I was confused at first about why there was an American prison guard okay. at this prison. But it turns out like this was a special prison only for Nazi war criminals, and it was jointly run, right? Yeah. By like Americans, French. British and Russia. Yeah. And they change uh, monthly. Their oh, is duties. that how it worked? Yeah, so there's a changing of the guard every month. Um, the Nazi warrior criminals that um, didn't just get killed right away at the Nuremberg tri- trials, they all ended up at that prison. Uh, some in the 50s and some in the 60s got let out, but uh, he had to stay in there. because Why didn't they execute him? What was the, do you know how uh, they made that decision? Because all the worst thing that he ever did was he signed off some of the Nuremberg laws back in the when he when he was in germany basically saying like being mean to the jewish people but not putting them straight up in concentration camps by the time he actually got caught he wasn't in that power place anymore so he didn't physically any uh, do anything against people personally so but his the things he signed off on okay. started up that transition so of he wasn't considered on. like directly responsible for the holocaust he was just Oh, responsible. he still was. Yeah. He was the second or third. He was See, that's why I don't understand. Best bros with Hitler. Um, but he was kind of like a demented, fanatical boy scout. He was loyal to Hitler. And he was an anti-Semitic asshole. But um, he didn't really search for power. He just wanted to keep what he thought was going correct. So he wasn't corrupt for money and power. He wasn't trying to destroy other people within his community and without and he did actually get some people free just because he was friends with them i'm kind of surprised yeah. when the guards killed him you know what i mean or well, did, did they they, dun, dun, no, dun. they didn't they let him live 46 years and then uh, they to be him. fair it cost them a million dollars a year to have him there yeah i'm not for the death penalty no. but he is a fucking nazi so right. so this eugene bird was a american prison guard in some capacity at spandau and he assures us that he is no nazi nazi sympathizer a thing that you shouldn't have to say, but go on. But he does think that Hess deserves the dignity to know who murdered him. I really don't think that's true. Yeah, first of all, he's dead. Second of all, no one gives a shit. I remember... Uh, all right. Here's me telling a story with, like, absolutely no details. So Indiana Jones in it? No. Unlike all good stories. But some Nazi was dying on their deathbed and, like, asked for a Holocaust survivor to come and then, like, begged for forgiveness. And as he died, like, the person was just like, oh, I couldn't decide what to do. So then it, like, was sent out. I don't remember if this is real or just, like, a Reader's Digest thing. But then it was sent out to, like, all these great, you know, philosophical minds. Like, would you have forgiven him or not? 
And so, so lots of people wrote about like the power of forgiveness. And then a lot of people were like, no, you don't owe him an apology. And then one person was like, I would have strangled him as he lay in that bed dying. And that was the response that I was like, yep, that's the right answer. Yep. <laughs> I, I can't deny that. That's not, yeah, I said throat punch before. So yeah, yeah I know yeah. Where, where my I don't care are. if someone murdered this guy, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem like that's I don't true. Think, yeah, I don't think that person deserves forgiveness and death. Sorry. Does no. that make me a bad person? He's a fucking Nazi. I don't think so. Obviously. So next we see Robert Stack in a Nazi museum, question mark. I hope it's a Nazi His museum. His basement. He tells us that startling new evidence suggests that the man at Spandau may not have been the real Rudolf Hess. He no, goes on to say, I don't believe that. That what ties these events together is a global conspiracy that began at the start of World War II. Ooh, scary. I know. Unlike all those other conspiracies that were going on. <laughs> this is so, oh. This seems like such a minor part of like I know. the whole war. Do you know what I mean? This it seems really, really Are you pissing off some World War II? Probably. No, not really. This is not like, my thing. I think everybody knows that because I couldn't even get his name right. And that's why we had to bring in Rochelle. Okay. I listened to a couple audiobooks and read a couple books because I wanted to have all this stupid shit in my head for a little bit, apparently. No, it will never leave. Oh, it will leave. They'll be You'll stupid You'll be a Nazi music. expert forever. But the two actual books that I read, um, interesting rumors that they could come well, up with. Well, that Hitler, Hitler only had one ball. And then he was a homosexual. Is that true? Supposedly. supposedly no. That is supposedly actually pretty true. Um, but there's a lot of sh- trashy rumors. And then they had like five little mentions of Hess in it. And then in my big... Oh, my book called The Short History of World War II that's like 500 pages. He's yeah, not short even, history. He, he's not even in it. He's not? <laughs> no, he like he's not. second in command. He, he was a puppet. It was a puppet position. He didn't oh. have any legit power. He was just, he was, he was like, you're my friend that looks up to me and will do whatever I want, but you will never try to take power from me. So yeah, you can be the second command. That's totally fine. Also, you spend no time grooming your eyebrows, so that won't get in the way of your duties. Oh my yeah. god, those eyebrows. Do you think there were things living in those eyebrows? I mean, other eyebrows? Small yes. birds, perhaps? Yeah. Yes. In 1973, a British surgeon named Hugh Thomas did a detailed physical examination of Hess. Thomas knew Hess's history and expected to see scars from bullet wounds that Hess had received in the First World War. Um, yeah, so, spoiler alert, this Hugh Thomas is the expert. He's believes- the only one. That Rudolf Hess was not. Well, who also he said he Lenny was. Briscoe, but he can't even speak English. Well, yeah, I'm sure Lenny Briscoe has all kinds of conspiracy theories. She don't even want to know. He's, he's yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thomas finds the official record of Hess's wounds and subsequent surgeries. Thomas is of the opinion that what he sees on the man in Spandau and what he reads in Hess's medical records completely contradict each other. He says it can't be the same man. Doesn't specify what, and it's only 50 years between, but wounds don't change or age, or there's nothing that changes over I time. I like that this body. guy thinks he would know better than his own, like, has his own wife. Yeah. Also, this is basically the only evidence they put forth to support that this was not Hess. And there was no actual photos or anything that you could justify. It's just yeah. like, yeah, I don't think it it's looks just like that him. He was shot, and I didn't see the scars I expected to see. He's, I he's don't know. great at healing, like Wolverine. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they kept Legit. saying experts, and it's literally this it's one It's really guy. just one guy, unless you count this Eugene Bird, because he seems to think. Well, actually, Eugene, we'll get to it later, but he doesn't think it wasn't Hess. He just thinks that Hess was murdered. So really, it is just this Thomas Hughes, this Hughes Tom, Hugh Thomas. Okay, what the fuck is his name? Villain. I don't care. I keep getting it wrong. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's the guy with the British accent that your bullshit is still bullshit. It doesn't matter if it has an accent. It sounds a little more believable. Yeah. Hey, uh, no. It gives it some authority. 
But, but it, it's still wrong. It's still bullshit. So Robert Stack next asks, then who was he if he was not Hess? The answer may lie in a series of events that took place in May of 1941. So on May 10th, Hess tells his wife that he is flying to Berlin for an important meeting and he will be back in three days. This was the weirdest moment because it's like someone going off to work saying goodbye to their family. Yeah, except he's a quaint little fucking house. Nazi. Going off to do Nazi shit. I don't care if he, like, said a teary farewell to his family. Yeah, they made it a little sympathetic. Don't be a Nazi. Yeah, the reenactment looked a little bit too quaint. Like, oh, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Yeah, it was just like, and then he went off to work and he was never seen again. Oh, by the way, he was a Nazi war criminal. Right. He didn't get to see his son for 20-something years. How sad. Well, Kind of brought that on himself. Also named his son Wolf. Nickname after Hitler. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't name your children after Hitler. Yeah. I can't say that's strong. Or or other Nazi war criminals. I change your name. Yeah, that's not super cool. Names can be changed. You don't have to keep your Hitler name. (laughs) I think that is the name. Don't you remember my text when I sent you about Wolf? My Wolf is such a second generation Nazi name. Oh my god. It is a second generation Nazi name. Not cool, Wolf. Get it together. So Douglas McRoberts is an aviation expert and author. He says later that day, the real Rudolf Hess took off from Bavaria in southern Germany flying north. The aircraft had the serial number 1545 and the letters NJC11 painted on the side. The plane was tracked by German radar across across Germany and occupied Europe. Around 7.15 p.m., the plane was lost to German radar going north over the North Sea. Snooze. Yeah, this is the most boring part. Where they talk about planes. And when it comes work. back, get to the fun part. I know. So four and a half hours after Rudolf Hess left Germany alone, I'm going to get this wrong. This is the name of a plane that Robert Stack did a great job. Master Schmidt. Master Schmidt. Master Schmidt. Was picked up by British radar headed towards Scotland. So the thesis here is that Rudolf Hess took off from Germany and flew north and then disappeared. And then this other guy swooped in. Yeah, then where, where did Hess go? Yeah, it, this makes no sense. What happened to Hess if they like? Was he complicit in his own murder? Why would swap they plan? switch plane? Why would they switch places while in the air and not like any easier way? It makes no sense. Some way that wouldn't involve needing two planes. This whole thing. Just like go into a bathroom and also one of you comes out. Also, especially because Rudolf Hess was in tight with the people that made the Messerschmitt plane, so he had a plane that wasn't out officially yet so it was a rare plane in the first place so you'd have to have two rare planes and it'd be you'd be totally complicit but the only way you could check people's names and numbers back then until like especially if it's smaller planes is just visual eye check when it comes back the letters that they have for that plane are like oh it's totally different yeah because if you're squinting and trying to see numbers and letters on a freaking plane they might be wrong room for human error yeah so at 11 p.m a scottish farmer sees an aircraft descending rapidly the plane crashes but its pilot has parachuted to safety the farmer confronts the pilot with a gun demanding to know if he is german the pilot speaking german tells him that he is alfred horn (laughs) speaking german says no (laughs) whatever do you ask i love your british comedies (laughs) i am not a a stereotype from a a plague cabaret what are you talking about so then this guy asks the farmer for a meeting with the duke of hamilton a thing you often do just when i I see farmers i'm like hey can i meet up with like the closest duke 
So the Duke of Hamilton is a member of the British Parliament who lived in the area. The man claiming to be Alfred Horn carried no identification, but he was wearing a Luftwaffe. 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 I always want to say waffle, and there's yeah, no Luftwaffe. L in it, except at yeah, the beginning. Luftwaffe. Officer uniform. And then I looked it up, and Luftwaffe was the aerial branch of the combined German Wehrmacht military forces? Ooh, uh-huh. Uh, Wehrmacht, uh, German Wehrmacht military forces during World War II. Okay. So that seems to be like the... Air Force. Yeah, the Air, the air Force or something. Alfred gets his meeting with the Duke of Hamilton. During the meeting, the pilot reveals that he is actually Rudolf Hess. The man claiming to be Hess said that he had been sent by Hitler on a diplomatic peace mission, blah, blah, blah. He didn't have any ID, but he was like, the brows check out. Yeah, you could totally ID this guy by his brows. Those no one else has brows like that. It must be Hess. No one else has brows Also, like who would want to claim to be Hess? Like, he was such a cool guy. Someone else was like, yeah. No, I'm willing to claim to be him and go to prison for 46 years. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's some serious uh, dedication to your, your mission. Ugh. I think that proves that it actually. I think that it proves that it actually is him because uh, he's such a loyal dog. He was such a loyal. He was called Fräulein Hess because he was such a ass kisser to Hitler and believed everything he said. <laughs> to be fair, he did help write down Mein Kampf, but we'll get back to that later. Sorry. So Hamilton was skeptical at first, but he was ultimately convinced that the man was indeed Rudolf Hess because he looked at his props. However, Winston Churchill remained suspicious. Churchill sent. Yvonne Kirkpatrick, a diplomat who knew Hess personally to meet with the man. Kirkpatrick also thought that the man was Rudolf Hess. Hugh Thomas, again, who was the doctor who examined Hess when he was in prison, says that the mistakes these men made were incredible. The man claiming to be Hess told them that he was born in 1899, but when he first landed, he said 1897. In actuality, Hess's real birthday was 1894. And no one has ever lied about their age. Like, yeah. that is the incredible mistake that these uh, men made. Yeah, it's incredible. That he got... Listen, if someone asks me on the spot to say what year I was born, sometimes you stumble over that. And he said it's the just, wrong year, and that means he's not Rudolf Hess. This makes no, no sense. It's just him. I don't really see any mystery here. So it's believed that Hitler and his other higher-ups often use doubles for security reasons. Thomas believes that a double was recruited to impersonate Hess. Or a shark. <laughs> I can see maybe a shark. I can see Hitler having a double or two, just like uh, Saddam Hussein used to back in the day and other people. Like, if you're the top person, you don't really need a double for Rudolf Hess and some of the other ones. Like, yeah, so seems a like double for like Hitler Hitler. seems pretty easy because you just put a stupid mustache on a guy and everybody's like, oh, yeah. That's right, and it. everyone sees him from like Which a Which Charlie Chaplin anyway. is so pissed off about, uh, by the well, way. He did permanently ruin a style of mustache mac asked me if hitler was going to be the most valuable mustache of this episode no I was like, he's defaulted of course no. Not. no i will do well, his eyebrows before someone doesn't listen to this podcast uh, doesn't know that dirt bags are not eligible for mvm so obviously we're not giving it to hitler i think um, no it, nazis are allowed to be most no memorable mustache no well they're all dirt bags but can oh we can definitely. have eyebrow most valuable eyebrows i think I think the eyebrows are the size of two mustaches. Right. Yes. So, and they are legitimately... They're huge! Furry calico. I mean, I can't really they, talk about anything else. Because also well, I might fall asleep. Well, because I think, like, you guys were like, like, when we the reenactment, you're like, oh, those are actually yeah, what Rochelle they look like. Yeah, Rochelle sent me a photo of real Rudolph Hess, and the eyebrows are accurate. Yeah. Now, I don't think these were those that man's real eyebrows. No, they're fake as hell. They, but, yeah, they're glued on. But they did a pretty good job. 
of replicating the real Rudolph Hess's eyebrows. So, they were so impressive. Right after Hess's fake eyebrows are most valuable mustache. Sure. Yes. <laughs> okay. This Fox is our podcast. We can make the rules. Hitler. No, man. Yeah. Okay. What's also, that's not, a, that's not a legitimate mustache. No. It's well, too small. I mean, he really And it's did. full of hate, and I don't like it. And also, Michael Jordan had it for a while. Wasn't that so weird? Oh, my God. Um, yeah. When we started this podcast and we said there was going to be five listeners, we were like, oh, yeah, because Mac and Samantha's fiance, Travis, and are going to listen to us. Guess who doesn't listen to us? Neither one of them. <laughs> Neither one <laughs> of them listen to this podcast. Fair enough. They have to listen to us babble all the time. They're not like... When they're not around us, they're like, they thank God. They the pre-show and the post-show. They're, they're yeah, good. They are yeah. good. I don't know why we thought they would listen to I don't us. know why either. So they're not part of the five at all. <laughs> no. no. shame. Which means they don't know the rules. Mac. Mac. He's not listening. Yeah. Shame on you. So photographs taken of Hess just before he took off from Germany supports this theory. I put that in quotation marks, supports this theory. They show a different plane than the one that crash landed in Scotland. (sighs) Could also just be in front of the wrong plane or... Yeah, I don't know. As we learned earlier, the plane that took off from Germany was marked NJC-11. It was photographed taking off and an assistant at the airport logged it in his book. The plane that crashed in Scotland was marked VJ or nj OQ. They cannot yeah. even. Uh, Rochelle has this very helpfully written down, and it's like, could you mistake a V for an N or a D for an O very easily? Yes. So people be stupid, and also it's a paper trail, which is handwritten. Yeah, it's, not like it's clerical errors. Yeah, human errors, you guys. It happens everywhere, even with Nazis. I mean, aside from the whole, they, were, they, they did love record keeping. But they just yeah. try to destroy some of it. But yeah, they they were very thorough on that. So we talk again to that aviation expert we met earlier, and he tells us that the plane that was found in the field in Scotland was almost entirely intact. Not only that, but it was also brand new. The machine guns mounted to the front of the plane were still packed with grease. I really don't know what that means. They um, haven't been fired before is what he's saying. Yeah, but what does that have to do he's with... He's trying to say, like, tests? oh my gosh, like it was his plane not realizing... He had a brand new, well, he didn't have a brand new plane, but he had a plane that basically he just did practice flights on and then did this flight with. He never shot anyone with the plane. He wasn't able to sign up and actually be killing people as a Nazi in a plane. Paperwork and shit. No, he did try to do it, and Hitler gave him a ban and said, like, hey, you cannot actually go out and shoot people. Not that he was that terrible, but because he was a World War II soldier, so he felt like he was compelled to do that. Yeah. British researchers know that specific aircraft was based at a fighter airfield in northern Denmark called Alborg. It was tracked in from that direction, and according to this guy, there really seems no reason to doubt that it came from Denmark rather than Germany. Denmark is right above Germany, so I don't know why, why this is a huge... Yeah, I don't know. Beats okay. me. I think um, these people have too much time on their hands. I, that's something I hate to say because we're running a podcast for no reason, but... I mean, and I waste time in all sorts of ways, but... This is not a thing. This just doesn't make sense to me. It's not an issue. Go learn to knit socks or something. So Hess was a skilled pilot, yet the man who flew to Scotland made a number of mistakes. According to this aviation expert, he did everything wrong. So he approached the British coast at the ideal height to be intercepted by radar instead of flying under it. Lenny is like snoring from like half under the buffet because he's so tired from going to the parade. Lenny. So he's just like passed Can the out. rest of this podcast just be us looking at Lenny? Yeah. He well, had the happiest day. He had a great day. He smelled so many all smells. With the parades and the dogs he and the on kids. so many things. Yeah. Whew. 
So anyway, they claim that because he flew in at the ideal height to be intercepted by a radar, that instead of flying under it, that that means it wasn't Hess or something. But was he but trying to get under the he, radar? He, no, he, I think he wanted. He wanted to go. He wanted them to take him to the Duke of Hamilton. He wasn't trying to sneak into Scotland. Duke, Duke it makes Duke, no sense. Duke of Hamilton. Hamilton. <laughs> I wanted the Duke of Earl song and then Hamilton. The, yeah. One of the Broadway songs, but I can't remember anything. Apparently, he also power-dived using too much fuel. Don't know what that means. Maybe he wasn't that great of a pilot. He didn't power-dive. Well, he went, he went, he he went up really tall so he could actually be high enough to evacuate and parachute out of the plane, and then it took a dive because there was no pilot in there anymore. Well, and it seemed like there was nowhere to land. It wasn't like an airstrip. So no. he probably just purposely let the he plane was out crash, of a, he, he, and then he, he knew he was about to be out, out of a, He knew he was about to be out of about to be out of gas so he took enough so he could safely or try to get out of the plane and then he doesn't care about the plane anymore because he's not in it yeah so then they oh. say that he flew at he flew only 50 feet across the scottish border this means that people on the ground could track the aircraft and that the pilot was too low to observe landmarks i don't know we don't know that these things were his goal and he screwed it up right like, he's going to meet with the duke Right. He had enough to basically just get there. That's all he cared about. He didn't care about doing it like a spy or doing something kick-ass. He was just, I needed to be able to get there. And that's what he did. Right. I find everything about this so annoying. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our podcast history, buffs. This is us off. Yay. So next we see Robert Stack again. And this is where we start part two. He, Welcome to my Nazi basement. He he's says. not in the Nazi basement anymore. <laughs> oh. And he says, so if this man was a double, how and why was this deception engineered? There is a theory that Heinrich Himmler was at the center of a conspiracy that reached from Hitler's inner circle to England's House of Parliament. Bum, bum, bum. Oh my God. I don't care. I know. Yeah, it's I very know. difficult to care about this. This is, I think, the point where I fell asleep both times. You didn't so, want to know about the world conspiracy so, with the parliament and all that? Be, forget, you know, Mel Zybel and his crystal bowl meditation I recommended for insomnia. This is the real ticket. Right. So next we learned that Hess rose to power simply by being one of Hitler's first loyal supporters. This made him a threat to Himmler, who aspired to gain control of the whole Reich. It also made him a douche. Yeah, yeah. Hess was basically hated and became part of a power struggle. I mean, I hate him. You can next tell that I was getting a little tired of taking notes because I wrote, so Hitler and his bros are prepping to invade the Soviet Union. Okay, no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I was looking something up, but no, that's not the acceptable answer. Uh, Though, to be fair, I was going to use an example of Hitler and his boys being a boy band, so what do I know? I mean, sure. You can't say Hitler and his bros. That's not historically accurate. Hitler and his bros. Technically accurate. It is mostly bros, but... um, Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're preparing uh, to invade the Soviet Union. And Hess and Himmler disagree on how to do this. Himmler wants to go balls out and show the world that they have the <laughs> biggest dicks around. But they don't have the biggest dicks around because they can't do the Russian front and the British front also, at the same Also, Hitler only has one ball. Yeah, and probably a micropenis like the Golden State Killer. That's but my theory. I'm putting it out there right now. Some, Write I, that down. I do like that theory. Are you okay, I have no comment on this entire subject. <laughs> I've been hiding my face. I mean, it's hard to talk about Hitler and not talk about him only having one ball, I find. Yeah. Since I can't talk about fucking Indiana Jones. You can. We you just can don't understand the Indiana reference. Jones you want. No one's stopping you. You won't know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's just not the same. So, I would have a problem because of the historical inaccuracies. Himmler starts talking about occupying France, blah, blah, blah. Hess <laughs> argues that they should pacify... 
Uh, England. As seen in bed knobs and broomsticks. But do you, you guys get why, right? To pacify England? Yeah. No. Okay. One, they don't can't really rock two fronts at the same time. One sure. front is obviously easier than having two. Also, um, the Windsor family, the royal family that we have now, used to be German, changed their last name. Royal family is of German lineage. And then Edward. Edward and his wife had Nazi sympathies. So there was a big scandal in the UK where the former king of England is shaking hands with people, Nazi officials, with the armbands and shit on their hand, on their, oh, on their arms. Oh, so there was an actual legitimate, like, okay, yes, the, you know, the British family has Everyone in the German. UK, raid the palace. Do it now. Which would be kind of cool. I'm not going to lie back then. It could have been Try an interesting... Try those but... crowns on and wear them out. Just, well, just, all this World War II stuff. Just know that, like... There was a legitimate reason, not just royal family, but a lot of the people that had money did have connections to German and other shit like that. And they're, you know, it's a generation removed from World War One, so they were anti-German in the first place. Okay. So that's all you really need. As much as British people don't like French people, they only like German people slightly more. The problem with World War Two, I feel like, is it's just, just so much. Yeah, I just, there's no way I could even get... And, it's got, like, and there's all these records of it, and it... A lot of people in the U.S. are connected to something about the war, the family. immigration, or whatever. So people right. have these like personal ties to it. So I think we're very and we scratched the surface in, in high school. If you took history in college, maybe. But like, there's just so much more, and there's no way I could even retain a quarter of the information. No. And yeah, we're probably gonna get a ton of shit wrong, which is why we brought Rochelle because Rochelle. Knows I'm gonna fuck up. all of it up. Yay! But no, it, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I don't know. Somehow I've read like multiple books on the history of beekeeping for just my own personal fun time. But this, I'm immediately like, what? I, I just, not anything about war. I, I think I think for a lot of people, even if they don't have like the family connection, it's a lot of, it, oh, it's essentially the last war that most people can say allies, good, Axis, you know, German, Germany, uh, Japan, and Italy, bad thing but pretty I much everyone know. agrees that hey nazis suck that's what we learned in movies that's what we really learned in, at school well, well, you even guys in germany didn't learn it well enough well my friends that are from germany are like no we're taught that nazis suck oh well it's illegal to have like nazi paraphernalia in germany yeah like, but, take but, that very but think about how weird that would be to be like if on our side if none of our grandparents or parents could have anything about world war ii I and mean, how much there, a lot of them are still into it. Do I think it's super creepy, whatever room Robert Stack's in, that Nazi room. That just I, has flags everywhere? Yeah, that, it's disgusting to look at, isn't it? Any, it is. Any room with more than one flag is kind of questionable to me in the first place. But I yeah, especially Nazi flags. <laughs> <laughs> it's very... Uh, uh. It makes me think of, in The People vs. Ova J. Simpson, there was that really great shot of Mark... What the fuck's his name? Furman? Yes. Mark Furman, he's like in his house and he like Oh, he has all that Nazi cleaning shit. the glass case where and then you're just like, oh, because you know what's gonna happen. Right. But you're like, like, oh he's the worst. Look, he's got a case of Nazi shit. Oh! Yeah, you shouldn't have cases of Nazi shit. No. no. I anyway, like I like World War II history. I don't have Nazi shit. Do you have one of those pointy German hats from World War One? No. Why, I, why would I? I don't know. Anyway, we're back. God, stay on track. I'm, yeah. Uh, Himmler and Hess are disagreeing about their strategy. Himmler wants to go all out and 
I think has, he said balls out. Yeah. Balls out. <laughs> yes. technical term. Himmler wants to go balls out and invade everyone. He starts talking about occupying France, blah, blah, blah. Hess argues that they should pacify and take a gentler approach. He wants to pacify Germany's relationship with England. Hess thought that they should secure peace with England before they make their move into the Soviet Union. And he secretly tried to contact members of the British Parliament. Yeah, he wanted a Nazi-Anglo kind of connection because England was kind of the last ones that colonized and knew what they were doing. So he thought, they don't agree with everything. colonize, help us out. Yeah, you guys know how to be complete assholes. And I settled here, so I get to take over this land. So teach us some stuff, because obviously you are pretty good at it. Right. So Hugh Thomas (laughs) basically claims that Himmler has the real Hess killed. Although that's not super clear to me. Somehow he wants to kill Hess and send a body double and a peace mission to England to carry uh-huh. a peace proposal to the English hierarchy. The plan Why? is that if the peace offering had been successful, or successful, Himmler would have stepped in, finished the negotiations, and claimed the credit. If it had been unsuccessful, well, then Hess captured it out of the way anyway. Most I don't books, understand this. Most books say that, like, Hitler and nobody was supposed to know, so this yeah, theory is complete bullshit. Yeah, they claim that Hitler knows nothing about it. This still doesn't make any sense to me because they're claiming, this Thomas is claiming that the real Hess got on a plane, flew north. Where? Then what? His plane was shot down and then this other plane nope, flew in? That it. makes no sense. They don't explain if, if anything, what happened to the real what Hess. They, what they should have done is if it actually would have worked out, then that's when he could have gone there and had him killed. And yeah, then when does this body credit. double come yeah. in? I don't understand. It makes no sense. A dragon snatches Hess, the real Hess's plane out of the sky. <laughs> is this the Hobbit? And then the fake Hess takes off from Denmark. With the one wing and goes Germany. to Mordor. I'm all in. <laughs> I wish we were talking about that. I wish we were talking about sports. Anything else. I wish we were talking about Alcatraz. I no. Mean, what? I think I hate this the most. This is Do you guys bad. hate everything the most I or en- just this the most? I enjoyed this. Alcatraz more than I enjoyed this. Because at least Alcatraz has like a prison. You get to see Alcatraz. You and get to see the craft time yeah. where they made those heads. This is just nothing that I care about. It's a nothing burger. Yeah. So they claim that Hitler knew nothing about this. He also claims... But the plan just, that just negates what they just... I know. Okay. Well, I guess there's different experts, and they have different theories, and they don't all Except the up. only expert in this is Hugh Thomas. It's dumb. So he also claims that there was a faction of British Parliament that was made up of Nazi sympathizers, and that they were plotting to Probably. depose Churchill and make their own separate peace with Germany. This was apparently the opinion of Stalin, and Hugh Thomas believes that Stalin was correct. If Stalin thought it, I don't know that we should be taking Stalin's word on anything. No. Churchill refused to meet with Hess, and the peace overture was, uh, it's rejected, and the possibly fake (sighs) Hess attempted suicide a few days later. The British military interrogated him. But he claimed amnesia and refused to answer any questions. They eventually sent him back to Germany for the Nuremberg trial. Good. This is also the amnesia episode. Yeah, there's amnesia in every... Even more than unusual unsolved mysteries, this is like amnesia central. Samantha is looking at her watch because she cannot wait to be done with this and get out of here. We're trying to make it fun. Why did I agree to make this podcast? It was the worst mistake in my life. I can see it in her eyes. Back in Germany, <laughs> they tried to get Hess to remember things because he is claiming complete amnesia. They bring in his two secretaries and they try to talk to him about his son. They show him a photo of his son. Hess becomes very agitated and says that he doesn't remember anything. This is supposedly very odd behavior. The secretaries, though weirded out, say that they both believe it was Hess. And wouldn't but- they know? 
Yeah. They, they both think it's Hess, but also Everyone like... Everyone thinks it's Hess, except this Hugh Thomas. And his son that he only knew... His son only knew him when he was three, and then yeah. later on when he visited him Doesn't all the time in jail. Does him? Yeah. His wife thinks it's him. Yeah. yeah. So two people don't believe it, and there's conspiracy nuts out there, so... Oh my god, it's an episode. It's so half an episode. Spando Prison was apparently owned jointly by the U.S., uh... Britain, France, etc., etc. It only held Nazis. One by one, the other prisoners died or were released. Until Hess was the only prisoner housed at Spando at a great expense. It cost like millions of dollars to keep him there. Million a year. Was the reenactment actually done at Spando? Do we know? I don't know. It was kind of a. It looks similar to a lot of the photos they had, like the last pictures. Because he did say something about it takes us to Germany, and I wasn't sure if they actually went to Germany. They might have went to Germany, but I don't know if they went. Seems like they would have said it. They would have been yeah. like, here we are, it's Spandau. And they did eventually yeah. tear down Spandau, so I don't know if it was before that or not. Oh, yeah, possibly. So Hess kept to himself at the prison. One prison guard says that it was like he lived in a bubble that was frozen for him back in 1940-whatever. Sure. Hess refused visits from his family for years. Hess's son is interviewed for the show and says that he... Uh, told him that the conditions and the circumstances of the visits were so bad that Hess thought it was better to not have visits. It wasn't until his health began to deteriorate that he finally agreed to let his family come visit him. Hess's wife, um, by all accounts, thought that it was Hess. She would fucking know. Yeah. yeah. Why would he keep going to visit him if he didn't think it was his dad? So Wolf thought he was murdered, but did Wolf think that it wasn't Hess? I mean, the thing of it is is that I'm pretty sure... At no time in the show did Wolf Hess, whatever his name is, Wolf say Rediger he Hess. didn't think it was Hess. He thought he was murdered. Yes. But I don't think even he I think thought that, it was I think Hess. that's where the two parts are. I think one of them is like, is this actually him? And then the other part is, yeah. was he murdered or not? Because I think... As not far sure as I can sure. tell, the only people who thought it wasn't Hess was the random prison guard who and cares? Thomas. Hughes, Hugh it's Thomas. fucking Hess, you guys. Like, he's such a Nazi See, boy. Michelle guy. is an expert and she says it's him. So there you go. So one day, Hess was going for his daily stroll through the garden. The guard with him got distracted for a second. When he finally remembered that he was supposed to be watching this guy. The only prisoner. He's supposed to be watching this prisoner. One prisoner. One prisoner in it. Yeah, you suck at your job, prison guard. Um, He went to look for Hess and found Hess lying on the floor of the garden shed with an electrical cord wrapped around his neck. Oh, well. The official cause of death was suicide, but people disagree. And by people, I mean Hugh Thomas, including the prison guard. Oh, and the prison guard who says that Hess could hardly open his hands because of arthritis. He also could not raise his arms above his shoulders. Two things. The reenactment, I I wrote down a note, Nosferatu goes outside and sees plants. Because it literally looked like Nosferatu, like, like, humbling around and being like... Side and have a walk in the garden. Do you get to be left alone in a greenhouse? Yeah, but the, also the what the guy at that point talks about, like he couldn't lift his hands above his shoulders. He didn't put a rope on like a pipe or something. He strung himself by putting a cord against a windowsill latch that was lower. That was lower that he could actually read. It might have been like a couple inches taller than that, but it wasn't like inconceivable if you wanted to kill yourself. Which over time he tried to kill himself three different ways. Before this, one the first time that you mentioned, 
he tried to jump over a stairwell and fall to his death. Another time when he was still before the Nuremberg trials, stabbed himself in the leg with a bread knife because that's going to work. I don't remember what the third time was, but he, he tried to kill himself three distinctive times before this. It's not a huge surprise. But was he murdered? Like, don't get me wrong. Like, right afterwards, there were, were threats on his life before the Nuremberg trials and after that. Like, that's yeah. one of the reasons they had the Nazi prison for the seven guys was, hey, there's enough threats from even just like, okay, we know the Russians are really pissed off at the Nazis. What would the killing a lot of people thing just like everyone else we should make sure that's okay but after 20 30 years and most of them are gone that threat's gone rochelle do you know the real reason we brought you here today intervention why it's to accuse you of, of murdering rudolph hess let me see how old would i have been six maybe maybe <laughs> did, did you, you murder no 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 hess? when did he, he got in 87 i was one so but i would have been you murder murder rudolph okay hess. way to deflect did you <laughs> Um, if I was, I, I don't think I've ever left the country until I was like 18 <laughs> or 12. You so. might not remember if you were one though. I could have been a super, Did you super have amnesia? Spy. Yeah, what about amnesia? <laughs> Wayne's World version of yeah. amnesia, but that, that's just... So. so anyway, I don't even know what else to say about this. They thought that they were planning on, the government was planning on releasing Hess right before he was, he was allegedly murdered. Hugh Thomas is convinced that the British government conspired to kill the fake Hess to keep him from revealing his secret British contacts within the British government during the war. What do you think he would have done if he was released? Like, become an ice cream man? Drove around he just, just would have waited, killed himself. Anyway. Kill himself or just hang out with his wife and wait to die. Anyway, they claim that there were documents that were going to be released in 2016. I don't know what they say. I didn't look for them. Because I don't care. Because I don't care. But maybe they reveal the truth. Of what? About how this Nazis? wasn't Rudolph That Hess. might be the thing Do you think it's just a piece of paper that says Nazis equal bad? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that was it. the truth. Maybe that was it. Rudolph Hess equals not real Loser. Rudolph Hess. Yeah. I, I might have it on Facebook. It might be the he UN paperwork. He did get paperwork. most valuable eyebrow. The actor who plays yeah, him. Not yeah, not the actual guy. guy. And they weren't even his eyebrows, but whatever. There but. is an opening of the secret UN archive that yields new Holocaust for- Yield new Holocaust news, essentially like what people were doing kind of like undercover, like on the British and the American side, essentially saying like, hey, yeah, we were aware of this, but we couldn't straight up say, hey, Nazis are bad because it was like the 30s and before invasion. But like what actions were being taken for good and bad? I'm going to make a bold statement right here on this podcast, which is that perhaps it's you thinks Nazis are bad. Nazis suck. Sorry. If you are. Did you see that poll recently that 40% of Americans don't know what Auschwitz is? Yeah. What? I have. I was like, that had to be bad polling data. It was only millennials, and it was only from a certain area, but it's still like, huh, that's not terrifying. And it also explains a lot of things. But, I, again, I really feel like every movie is about how Nazis are bad. Watch, well, watch some movies, people. Maybe every older well, movie. Well, I was... I'm, it doesn't seem I'm like it's very, that way anymore. I'm a very 90s child. No, every movie now is about superheroes. But in yeah. the 90s, every single movie was about how Nazis are bad. And some of the superhero movies are about how Nazis are bad. Have you seen Captain America? It's about Nazis. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Rochelle, did you learn anything else that you needed to share? Because I know you mm-hmm. did a lot of research for this. I was amused that he was born and raised in Egypt, in, uh, Alexandria, Egypt, and still oh, saying really? it became like a huge racist asshole. And aside from like him, like there's really creepy quotes because he's a fucking nazi oh my god i hated hate my thing that woke me up in this episode because i got so angry was that his grave the epitaph on his grave says it was worth the risk yeah that makes no sense it's it's, it's, it's worth the risk or i have dared 
yeah, but they're still allowed what? to be a Nazi. Yeah, to fly to England to make peace with them so that they can. I wanted to take a sledgehammer to that grave. I've never wanted to deface a grave more. That made me so angry. The only thing I can say for Hess is like he he's he's the opposite of Rasputin, where in the right place at the right time, had the right setup, everything like that. But he didn't want power, and he didn't care. Well, he also, it was worth the risk. Yeah, it was or worth it. Or he dared to dream, or whatever the fuck. <laughs> that is very live, close. Laugh, like, love. I live, laugh, love. Yeah. What um, if that's what his grave well, said? The, the, the main thing is, he was there for the, like, this this dude that, like, went to school for, like, geopolitical bullshit, so he knew some of the... He went to Nazi school? Essentially, he went to Nazi school. He learned how to do colonialism oh and shit like that guys don't go to nazi then school. he then he became friends with hitler Somebody became his lessons. doting people i'm just talking over you guys now <laughs> then became his doting pupil to hitler and then when uh hitler got ar- arrested in the beer hall putsch he also got arrested ended up helping co-write and writing down mein kampf my struggle which is hitler's uh book which is such a fucking emo name my struggle my first Look, world white man i had no issues putting your on one ball Things didn't go out. And did you see that? That's fucking life, dude. Like, oh my god. I mean, we all have a struggle. Yeah. Poor Hitler. Poor Hitler. Wah, wah, wah. He was a little bitch, but whatever. Um, Sorry. Yes, he was. But that's... Mm -hmm. (laughs) The thesis of this (laughs) episode. But essentially, like, he was his bestie while he was rising up. Like, like what happens with, like, a lot of musicians and other people. Like, oh, he was there in the tough times, but now... But instead of, like, grabbing money and stuff, he was just there. So, a.k.a. my... Boy band reference. He was the JC Chazé to Justin Timberlake, and then suddenly he's like, "You're kind of Chris. You're going to a different band. I don't even fucking want you anymore. Just go away." Like, he went from best friend to slowly getting kicked out by other people that were a lot more power hungry. So, still Nazi, still an asshole. Blah. But yeah, yeah, that was he pretty much it. But now I have way too much Nazi facts that are all figuring <laughs> in my head. So, can we do some amnesia? So I'm done with yes! this. Yes, we sure can. Mystery I've two. never been more excited to talk about amnesia. Amnesia. Here not we talk about are. World War II anymore. This is the case of Patricia Meehan. She was driving in Circle, Montana back in April 20th, 1989. She was a former daycare worker turned ranch hand because she loved animals and everybody thought she was a sweetie pie. Anyway, at around 8.15, she's driving down Highway 200. Uh, Peggy Bueller and her parents, who are in another car, they're driving to Montana, blah, blah, blah. Out of nowhere, a car driving in the opposite direction comes onto their side of the road. Peggy swerves, barely missing a head-on condition. And this other driver, Carol, pulls to the side of the road, but unfortunately, the car hits her. They collide. Boo. Carol exits her car without any serious injuries. The wrong way driver also exits her vehicle. She gets out, stares at Carol. Very creepily. Very, very creepily. In the dark, says nothing, and then just walks away. She looks at her like, I'm going to be a creepy serial killer for a minute. No, I'm just going to no. walk into the into the corn. Yeah. I love the corn. This very, like, children of the corn moment yes. where she was like, and I'll just go into this field. And disappear. So the mystery okay. is, what happened to Patricia? She walks away from that accident and is spotted like a hundred times since then, but never goes home and never contacts her family. They kept calling them confirmed sightings, but never yeah. explained like why it was confirmed I don't to be know. her. The thing is, eyewitness, as we've said before, eyewitness testimony is not what it, people want to think it is. Very questionable. For instance, I keep getting asked as I walked around town if I graduated from a high school around here in 1999. 
I did not. I'm not from here. But clearly someone who looks a lot like me did. So I'm sure they're like, oh, I saw my, you, Do you know. you have amnesia <gasps> What? Maybe you did graduate oh. and you're just wandering but around point, living now, a different life. I'm just go, I just go like, oh, no, but you're not the first person to ask me that so that they don't feel stupid. But I'm sure they could also, you know, say that that was that person. You know what I mean? Anyway. Yeah, I didn't understand why it was confirmed so wait, to you could be her. that person's doppelganger? I could be that person's, I have a doppelganger. And I have one in Las Cruces, too. Make sure that so, like nobody kills off Liz, and there's a so slightly different looking one. I do not have a distinctive look. Anyway, th there's like so little to this. We'll be through this in like five seconds. Don't worry. Cool. So the police traced the car that was left at the scene. It belonged to 38 year old Patricia Meehan. She was the wrong way driver. Um, the police began to search for her, but they had no idea if she was injured or purposely hiding because she caused an accident and fled the scene. Um, they found some shoe tracks, and they followed it. By 3 a.m., they were like, all right, we're going to search the next morning. So they came out with dogs. They searched for five days, but they never found any more trace of her. There was two theories of how she eluded her attackers. One was that she stowed away on a hay truck, which they made a little reenactment of. And one was the most more sensible theory that she hitchhiked away. <laughs> hay truck is like, let's go get some apple cider and hang out with the pumpkins. That's the weirdest and... thing ever. I just assumed that there was a hay track there at that time, so they're like, well, maybe she jumped on that, but it seems well, like... How would they come up with that? It's so specific. Okay, so since her disappearance, Patricia has been spotted multiple times throughout the United States. At first, they were wondering if she was trying to avoid prosecution, but that seems really weird. Like, causing an accident and fleeing from the scene of a crime is not that serious of a charge. Or fleeing from the scene of the accident is not that serious of a crime. Especially since no one died. It was just yeah. a crash. And she knew no one died because she went and stared in the car. Creepily for like a minute. She knew that person was fine. Yeah. So like, I'm sure she felt bad that she caused that accident. Maybe she fell asleep at the wheel or whatever. But... I have two theories. We'll get to it in a second. It's not that serious. I don't... You wouldn't go permanently on the run because that happened. No. So, um, she was originally from Pennsylvania. She had moved to Oklahoma to attend college. Um, she had worked in a in that field until 1985 and started to move to Montana to work on a ranch. Before her disappearance, her family and friends noticed that she had become depressed and withdrawn. And her mother very helpfully suggested that it was because she hadn't had children. Okay, Thanks. Fuck. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Patricia's Mom. I don't like you. Okay. Because that's the only thing that can fill the void in your soul is to produce more children into the world. Yeah, she was barren, so of course she was depressed. I like that her mother wasn't saying, like, that's something she told me was bothering her. That's her just mom assumption. Just, like, just, just was clearly just assuming that. It couldn't even be, like, Barely hey, weird. she broke up with a boyfriend or hasn't had, like, a partner. And, like, it's not legitimately no. she hasn't produced a child. Yeah. They for only... me, but also for her, I guess. Whatever. I wanted grandchildren, and Patricia didn't give them to me, and therefore Patricia was depressed. So she is dead to me. Maybe. <laughs> Patricia, okay. Psychiatrists believe that Patricia sustained a head injury from the accident and yet combined with, this is according to Unsolved Mysteries Wiki, combined with her, quote, previous problems, being slightly depressed and withdrawn. Okay. And Being may have introvert? caused... And yeah, exactly. I was like, what did Patricia do that was so depressed and weird? They had no examples. No. She just seems a little bit sad. Maybe it was winter. I don't know. So since that accident, she's been spotted at least 100 times between Montana and Seattle, mostly at truck stops. They had a reenactment of her going into a diner and demanding a very quick breakfast and then sitting there for like an hour and a half and saying that she needed to go shopping and then just acting kind of spacey and odd. 
There was some great Bozeman, Montana fashion in that reenactment, though. Oh, yeah. Perm bangs on top of bangs. Heavy blue eyeshadow that matched that lady's western shirt. Yeah. I mean, it was it's great. very of its time. That's very 90s. She was also matching, very so. proud of their 10-minute breakfast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You want a quick breakfast, you go to that diner. <laughs> she was in the right place for a quick breakfast. Too bad she sat there for an hour and a half. To the point where the waitress was like, Hun, are you okay? Can I help you? I thought you had to be in and out. And then she was just like, what? What?" She wasn't like really making sense, I guess. But also didn't say that she needed help. And it's not really a waitress's job to like insist you get care. I don't know. Yeah. Um, So that was one of the confirmed sightings, supposedly. And that was only a few miles away from her home. They didn't say if she had like a distinctive birthmark or something no, that would have made I these confirmed i'm looking at the picture of her she looks like generic looks, white lady yeah very she, generic she does not generic like, 90s white lady yeah. if you go to unsolved.com every comment is someone saying oh she looks like this person or oh she looks like i think like me patricia's got a lot of doppelgangers out there also apparently this is a very common name so if you're just going to go on Facebook and search for Patricia Meehan, there's a bunch of them, that doesn't mean you found her. But the assumption that, like, if she had a head injury or for some reason, like, partially forgot stuff or, you know, just a little bit loopy, she's still feasible enough to know to go into a restaurant and get food and has money How is she getting that. money this whole time? Yeah. Was it say she's just, like, she I wanted to she leave in the first place? Because or... do you think that would be, like, the end time whenever she left in 89 or whatever, the last time, like, you think it would be the very end of when you could go if you keep no social media out that you could just actually start over? I don't... Maybe. I mean, maybe she was. She walked away from that accident and she just went, I'm starting Done. over, but I really... I no, really no, I doubt that I as well, so. but... I suppose it's possible. The thing is, this is unsolved. They never found Patricia's body. They never figured out what happened to her. This episode first aired in 1989. In 2011, the police received a composite from a woman found in British Columbia who web sleuth bloggers thought might be Patricia, but then it turned out it wasn't. So they haven't had any credible deeds since then. Um, I hope one day they do find out what happens to Patricia. She's on the Doe Network and also in the Charlie Project for people trying to figure out what happened to her. I'm assuming that she wandered off and maybe had more serious injuries. I'm not... I don't know. My So here was my theory, and this is not supported by any evidence because there's really no evidence, but yeah. she was driving the wrong way on this road. I wondered if she had fallen asleep. I wondered wheel. if she was trying to commit suicide. suicide. And when yeah. she went and saw those people, she saw the real humans that could have died Due in her action. the process of her committing suicide, and then she decided to go off into the woods and commit suicide, suicide by somewhere herself. Else. That makes sense. Because she, they said that she stared at them for a long time. It was very bizarre. And then she just walked off. And I think, you know, I don't, there's no evidence to support this, but if she was intentionally trying to commit suicide and then she saw, oh, oh shit, like these people would have died. Like this family would have died. And then she was still very depressed and maybe she completed suicide somewhere else. Um, Or maybe she just. Makes sense. Or she just, or she just went outside and then had the elements of it, being outside by yourself. Yeah, no she died thing. somewhere. Just, and it's quite possible. I mean, clearly her mom didn't think she needed any kind of help. Ugh. She could have had some more, much more serious problems, ser- more serious depression. She was at the age when people can get schizophrenia. Yeah. It seems more likely to me than she had amnesia and just wandered around the United yeah. States forever. I don't... Unfortunately, stigma around mental health that still exists yeah. prevents people from getting treatment that they need. And particularly around suicidal thoughts and... People's reactions to attempted suicide is often that people are being selfish or they're trying to get attention, which isn't true. Yeah. So 
probably Patricia didn't get the help that she needed. Yeah, unfortunately, I think, I, I think your likely. theory makes a lot of sense. I was thinking that she fell asleep at the wheel and then probably sustained like worse injuries and just like died somewhere else. That's or, another or even possibility. Not just had so much guilt of like I almost killed somebody, even if she wasn't suicidal. Just be like, yeah. Oh well, and if, it is possible that, yeah, maybe she did hit her head and she had a more serious injury than, and she well, was disoriented a, and walked into the woods. Or if she had a woods. serious concussion when a concussion yeah. took a nap and yeah. just never, never woke, woke up. up and yeah. no one found and no her, one found her figured it was, that out. It was her. I don't yeah. know. I mean, that is another possibility. Yeah. But unfortunately, it's we'll a never sad know. Case. This is There's just, not a ton to it. I, I, yeah, for her, like. It's like a sad, you guys. Well, the next one's not going to make you happy. No. It's supposed to me up. We had to talk about, oh. That was Lenny Briscoe. Lenny decided that it was time to party. Lenny just woke up. Lenny woke up. Lenny decided it was time to party. Are we ready to talk about the next one? Sure. There's so much, like, sad. I actually picked a mustache from this one. So did I. I, was it Detective Bob? But the Bob, Bob Carey? Yeah. Yes, I put MVM question mark too. Although yeah. I still think it should be reenactment. Yeah. No, you're Rudolph right. Rudolph has his eyebrows. I was calling his mustache the count because <laughs> it had a bit more of a, a, a Swirl? uplift. I wrote that it looked like a dried pop. shrub. <laughs> it had, it had a, a twist. more panache than a typical cop mustache. But it looked a little like brown and dried out. Yeah, that's also true. It looked very much like a barber. It's like all of the foliage in Minnesota right now. Yeah, that's kind of what it looked like. The foliage mustache. So we're yeah. in Arlington, Virginia, May 11th, 1988. It's 3 a.m. Police are called to a local schoolyard where the body of a young woman has been found. She was sexually assaulted and shot at point-blank range. Homicide detective Bob Kerrig, he says that he had a sick feeling and felt disgust for crime in general, which makes sense. <laughs> crime, you, you should... That, that's, the, that insight, that's, Bob. that's the correct way you should feel about it. He thinks true. He's not the Golden State Killer. Yes, I find. Oh, yeah. He didn't become a cop because he thinks crime is, like, pretty cool. Fortunately <laughs> not. We also meet Detective Gay Mercer. She speculates that it may have been date rape, possibly someone that the victim knew. Mm, she thinks no. this because there were no tears in her clothing, indicating that the assault was not forced. This is bullshit. What yeah. Like, I put it in here because I thought it was so ridiculous. That's, that's so it's like, it's like, oh, no one ever tells you you have to take your clothes off. Like, it's only ripped and shredded into pieces. Yeah, or if he's a weapon or he threatens her, like... He has to literally tear at her clothes like King Kong. Otherwise, it's not force. Yeah, it makes no sense. People's understanding of rape, even in a professional capacity, it, sometimes it is really, really seemed yeah. like Game Mercer was saying that they were be- getting intimate and it went too far. She was edging into victim blaming. She was speculating it was someone she knew. Yeah. Okay. The vic- Except that she's like outside and shot and yeah. Gross. Yeah. The victim was identified as Veronica Jefferson, a 24 year old government accountant who had recently moved to Washington D.C. from Oklahoma. It's really at sad. the time of her death. Two in Veronica was. Yeah. yeah. Veronica was working as a finance finance officer for the CIA, nice. which I was very impressed by. She was a young woman of color during yeah. this time, and she seems like she had a really powerful job in the CIA. She was, she was ri- like moving she up. She was smart and motivated. Capable and getting her shit done. And yeah. she was driving a Camaro. I mean, she That was, car was awesome. She was living her best life, and then this happened. But could Very that- beautiful. So there was nothing in Veronica's personal life that would suggest that anyone would have a motive to hurt her. Police found... she seemed pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. Police found her car, which was the red Camaro, in a supermarket parking lot. The vehicle was inspected for prints, but it With appeared a to laser, have been wiped which I clean. Wish happened more often. Yeah, they used a laser. 
fancy it's shit. just like so 80s and they're like with laser technology and it's just like a little like pointer <laughs> <laughs> they look for fingerprints i love it so much this takes us 20 times as long but it looks so cool you guys uh, yeah it did seem like that so inside the car investigators found a receipt that showed that veronica had left the market at 9 30 p.m her cash and credit cards were found inside her purse inside the car. This prompted investigators to focus on employees at the supermarket, which I thought was strange. It seems like it could have also been a, a customer. customer. Or yeah. Anybody. But I guess they had to start somewhere. Yeah. I wanted to ask Samantha. So they, in the reenactment, questioned an employee at the grocery store. And I wanted to know if you thought that guy was handsome. Do you he know was handsome. The guy wearing the red shirt. Yeah, he was handsome. And he was like, yeah, I had hit on her before, but she wasn't interested. And I was like, really? <laughs> because that guy was pretty handsome. Yeah, he was, actually. And I bet he didn't get turned down a lot, but he's, I don't know, he seemed nice. I'm not, it's not him, everyone. <laughs> but <laughs> it wasn't him. Yeah. Unfortunately, he wasn't pursued further. No. Just uh, too handsome. I was just like, this grocery store has really handsome employees there were he was not the only one too. yeah i was like maybe that's why they focused on perhaps they're like we should really look at this market she goes to that's full of honks yeah <laughs> she's probably for some reason, where like, is that market for some reason the three female <laughs> the three female police officers are really interested in interviewing all the perks yeah, we have to interview all of these employees so tell us what's your workout like so Detective Gay Mercer says that one suspect who worked at the supermarket was able to describe her down to her red shoes. He told them that he'd seen her around the market and he kind of had a thing for her, but that she wasn't interested. This was the, the handsome guy. So they narrowed the field of suspects down from over 100 to just six. They take everyone's blood because the body fluids found at the crime scene indicated that the suspect had a rare blood type, only found in about 4% of the population. One okay. of... Uh, none positive. of them matched, so everyone was cleared. So. Rochelle just knew that meant that was, they were O positive. Oh, I was gonna. I was wondering if it meant that they were non secretors, like the Golden State Killer. That's only twenty percent. Oh, okay. Sorry. O positive is four percent. I'm, I'm impressed by your knowledge. Uh, if it's that's correct. That's why we have her here, because she's so smart. That's if it's correct. I just know that my mom has a very rare blood type, and it's opposite of mine. Do, so. Oh, so she Do can't call crimes? your mom all the time to ask her to donate blood? Yeah, she does. Yeah. She has since she was 18. They get harassed. Oh, yeah. okay. Because, oh, because that's the they universal want their donor, sweet, right? Sweet blood. Yeah. Yeah. She's given over like ten gallons, I think, in her life. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. A lot of blood. Wow. Good for her. She had a difficult pregnancy with me, and she also had other health issues. So when she's like, "If I can give blood, that's the only thing I yeah I can do that." Give so that. she's always, oh, that's yeah. so nice. Good for her. Yeah. I bet this person wasn't given his blood. So four days after the murder, however, He's murdering a dramatic, dramatic new evidence surfaced when an off-duty police officer claimed he had seen Veronica the night she was killed. The officer claims that he saw her with a man who was driving her car. He saw the woman get out of the car, and and he says that she was talking to the man in the car. He said that they seemed like friends, so he didn't think anything of it. I thought it was kind of sad that he thought, you know, if I had only been on duty and I had pulled them over, maybe I could have stopped this. But they weren't yeah. doing anything that looked was like suspicious. a crime. No. Yeah. He didn't think much of it, and he just continued on He just work. noticed because the person had, like, driven up onto the curb. Yeah. But it wasn't, like, It wasn't enough of a thing to be like, he was yeah. like, eh, I could yell at you about that, but it's I'm like off not, duty. Yeah, and, it's, like, not worth and it. And it's also, like, right. seeing someone speeding, you're like, that's kind of an asshole move, but whatever. I have shit to do. Fine. Yeah, he seemed like he was he felt a lot of guilt which it wasn't his fault so this led investigators to believe that the person was someone veronica knew well they got a list of veronica's male friends and acquaintances from her family and but they were all tested and eliminated as suspects none of them 
had the right blood type. So the investigation was at a standstill until May 1989, a year after the murder. Two witnesses came forward, Mr. and Mrs. Flanagan, to say that they remembered seeing Veronica in the supermarket two hours before she was killed. I feel bad for Mrs. Flanagan. Yeah, I, I do too. Because Mr. Flanagan only remembers her, essentially because he was checking her out at the yeah. grocery store because she was so pretty. Class act. And then saw a dude come up to her and essentially hit on her. And then yes. you can tell, even in the reenactment, he seems jealous. He does. Wow. Yeah. He's so, there with his wife! Yeah, it's a, it's a classy move. Yeah, and then Mrs. Flanagan says that she saw them again in the parking lot, and she got the distinct feeling that something was very wrong. Veronica kept looking around the parking lot as if she was searching for someone to get her out of the situation. But she but, didn't do anything. But then Miss Flanagan mm-hmm. says it wasn't dramatic enough to make me go up to her and ask if she needed help. Yeah. I know. And I, think, I feel like a lot of people would do the same thing in her situation, so well, I don't You're like, wanna... well, it's really none of my business, but... Yeah. God. I think about what I would do in that situation, and I, you know... In the age of now, since we have cell phones... I have done the thing of like, I'm going to call the store and just let them know, hey, there's a fight going on in this parking lot. Like, it's not a cop situation, but like, if you want to make your security cameras are on or something, like, that would be good. Well, and it's one thing if it was more obvious that something was wrong, but she just said she got a bad feeling. The bad vibe. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't anything so obvious that she thought, I really need to go save this girl, so... It's and also, and, and also, also, she's like probably a hindsight thing. Yeah, like oh, looking back, like it could have been a bad situation. But yes. she's like, and I'm already mad at my husband for checking you out. So I know you're doing your own thing. Right. But I feel at him. So. I'm over here because you're so beautiful that my husband can't stop looking at you. That's not why I'm bothering. you. Or my husband might be a dog. We'll find out. But like, I have my stuff I'm dealing with, and you don't seem like you're in emergency at this moment. So, by stranger, I don't know. I know. Yeah. So that's basically where it ends. The result is that it was solved. In August 2005, DNA found was linked to a man named Alfred R. Preto, now considered a serial killer for the additional murders of other individuals, including Warren Fulton and Rachel Raver. Investigators learned that he had lived in in Arlington in the 1980s. They now believe he was responsible for at least nine murders in California and Virginia in the late 1980s. He was extradited to Virginia from California, where he was was on death row for a 1990 murder. He was convicted of the murders of Warren Fulton and Rachel Raver and sentenced to death. On October 1st, 2015, he was executed by lethal injection. So he's dead. Yeah. We're not going to lose any sleep over that. Yes. I probably won't, yeah. Um, I mean, he was matched to DNA, so... Did I, they ever figure out, find out why? Was it just completely a random killing? Was it he went on a date and this was back in the day when people had a phone? He was living in Jefferson with his wife and child at the time. He I killed think it's Veronica. Just, he happened to see her. Yeah, he Opportunity? seemed like he, yeah. Well, he was a serial killer. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Um, it's so sad. I found yeah. an article in the Washington Post that announced that the DNA taken from the scene had matched him and there was a quote from veronica's father henry jefferson who said who said that he was speechless when he got the call from the arlington homicide lieutenant telling him about the break in the case he said i broke down and started crying Mm -hmm. he said for for a 62 year old man that's something he said that he had never given up hope that the case would be solved so I thought that was really sweet. I mean, I and it's sad, but that's brings that's some peace, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, to finally Closure. know what happened. And here's the thing: for the longest time, based on unsolved mysteries, they thought it was someone she knew, 
And nope. right. turns out it was a random Yeah, also killing. the sketch that they had based on the eyewitness in the parking lot Looked was nothing. a black male, and that's not who it was. No. So it's just in the, I mean, he was. It's not, uh, you always have to be a little bit skeptical when the suspect is, like, random black guy did it. Yeah. And then yeah, this is another instance no where features. I, no, I forget where else. he was from, but it was somewhere in South America. Do we have anything to lighten the mood after that? Uh, no, we have to rate the episode and then we can be done with it okay, forever. Good. All right. So, mysteriousness. Not that mysterious. No. Because the Hess thing really takes up a good half the episode, maybe more. And Even watching the mystery, I didn't think it was that mysterious. It's not mysterious. It's just not. And then with the information Rochelle brought us, it's revealed that it was never that mysterious. No. I think it's, a, it's a stretch, for sure. I think they... I, I appreciate that they want to include some things from different time periods, so it's not just, like, all late 70s, 80s. And I like that they're trying to, like, mix it up. But that's I the, preferred, that's the like, only a, a thing I can appreciate about it, because something. it's so boring and not yeah. mysterious. I'm not... I'm thinking it's a thumbs down on mysterious. Yeah, thing. I would say thumbs down, even though the Patricia thing is kind of mysterious. Mm-hmm. But it's not enough. And it's also a very short mystery. Reenactments, yeah. I think I'm a thumbs down. Except for the brows, thumbs down. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the brows were fine, but yeah, thumbs down. Thumbs down. Yeah. Nothing special. Fashion? We got some good fat. I would say sideways. I like the Bozeman, Montana yeah. diner fashion, but yeah. that was just so brief that I think I'm a thumb sideways. Yeah. I'll go sideways on that. Yeah, and then Robert Stack. We hardly even saw him. Yeah, we saw him in a nice. We saw a casual yeah, stack outfit though That's at true. the very last. We he did had get this... a casual stack. Yeah, he had so some khaki I will pants. say sideways just for that. At one point, I wrote down that it looked like he was wearing thermals underneath his flannel shirt. I think that might have been true. that was his Bozeman, Montana every every to, man he was stack. To fit in, even though it looked, all looked like ironed and pressed and like still like really neat. Yeah. You know? So I'm a, I'm a sideways. Sideways. That's all right. Um. <sighs> I don't even... What do you rate this on Robert one. one. I hated it. I did not like it. Rochelle, I you... I picked World War Two, and I still like... No, one. <laughs> I just like this more than Hitler. Rochelle picked it on another episode that she can't stand. I, just, think, I think I do. I'm like, oh, they won't like this. I'll do it. Sure. Well, and thank like, you for oh, God. throwing yourself on the sword. Because we it. really needed your expert opinion. And I, I'm I sorry so for much, everything I said wrong. And I have so much information that makes no sense. It's but, awesome. Rochelle, you, I mean, you enjoy learning about World War II. Yeah. And you still thought this was a sucky episode. Yeah. it's <laughs> They just didn't do it well, it seemed like. They, they didn't do well. They had inaccurate things. The reenactments were a bit meh, except for the eyebrows. Those are spot on, but it's hard to not do that when it's basically like fluffy, fluffy caterpillars on his eye and his things. Seriously, they are. Um, there's just so many other things you could go with. They could even go like on the sh- like the occult stuff that Rudolph I would, was interested in. I would in, like or... to know more about the Nazi connection with the occult. I wonder if there's an unsolved mysteries. The Thule Society. That, and, oh, oh, that would be interesting. No, but, there, but there's History Channel stuff on it, or we can well, find if there yeah, is okay, an episode. I don't have a History Channel podcast, Rochelle. I have a stupid unsolved mysteries. <laughs> well, yeah, well, 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 there might be in another season. I don't know. I haven't looked in other seasons. I only looked. A few maybe we could do ahead. a special about that or something. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, that's true. My recommendation this week is. Sorry, Samantha. A music video. A music? <laughs> okay. Yes. I, I, I'm not. I'm not like against music videos. Yes, she is. Art music musical artist Eliza Rickman just released her music video for a song she's had for a while called "Pretty Little Head." People might be familiar with her because her music has been featured on Welcome to Night Vale. Okay. okay. Um, 
I saw her open for a band once and was just blown away. I'd never heard of her before, and usually I'm not that interested in opening acts. I just thought she's completely amazing. She's like a totally independent artist who releases her own stuff and tours around. And she did a very big Kickstarter campaign to fund, and I think it broke records to fund this music video that is like her going to the guillotine and then like her body seeking the head. Oh. After Antoinette yes, like afterwards, like the body like goes and finds the head, and then they dance around, and it's very bloody. So it's like the guy in a Hocus Pocus. It kind of reminds me of the movie Sleepy Hollow a okay. little bit. It has kind of that vibe. Oh. It's pretty cool. I would recommend checking it out if you don't mind fake blood. Nice. I enjoyed it, and yeah, that's all. That's my recommendation. She's a really cool musician, so support her. Yeah. Cool. Yay. Yay. So I'm recommending another podcast. I feel like last season was the season of book recommendations for me, and this season's going to be the season of podcasts, because I'm listening to so There's so many new, amazing podcasts out. I, and they're all better I than us. Yes. I could have picked so many for this episode, but I really wanted to pick one that I am very impressed with. Um, and Typically on the show, we like to promote indie podcasts like us, the little guys, um, and who deserve more listens than they get. But I'm not recommending one of those podcasts. I'm recommending a new podcast from the New York Times because it is so freaking good, you guys. It is Caliphate. Oh. So it's from the New York Times. It's brand new. There's only three episodes out, in, plus a prologue, which I highly recommend you listen to first. It's not like a trailer. It actually okay. It's part of the story. The um, host is Rukmini Kalamahi. And this woman, there's, okay, there's many reasons to listen to this podcast, but chief among them is how badass this lady is. She is my hero. She has nerves of steel that I can't even fathom. In the, I believe, prologue or the first episode, you hear her and her cameraman in Syria after, on the scene of a U.S. airstrike against ISIS, running into the the blown up building with trash bags, gathering up like their ISIS paperwork and computers. And it's insane. And she explains in the first episode that she does this because she's trying to gain an understanding of who ISIS is. So by reading their emails and their letters, she learns learns things like internal ISIS communications that amount to basically ISIS human resources. And she wants to, because these people are trying to be boogeymen. Yeah, she's trying to figure out the admin system inside of ISIS and figuring out the names. Her thesis, and I'm spoiling things a little bit, so you may want to skip ahead in this in this review in this review or this recommendation but her thesis that she reveals in her first episode is that the terrorists want to live in our imagination and by yeah. revealing them for who they are it removes some of that mysteriousness sure and in her quest to determine who Isis is she tracks down a man from Canada who by all accounts was a quote normal person he was like either a college student or he was living a normal canadian person's life and he was radicalized and went to syria and actually killed people and they interview him for the show she goes and she goes to canada and meets him and talks to him about his experience and how he was radicalized and the things that they do it's so amazing and i feel like it's a story that isn't being told yeah um, it's just, it's a really well done podcast. The host is super good. Of course, it's New York Times, so the production value is amazing. Um, 
You even, can't believe even better than ours. Are you sure? Well, it's hard to top us, but <laughs> they do have you know a bit more money They're and resources to throw in the at it. Room. So I thought I think it's really well done, and I really recommend it. Yay! Yay! Do you have a recommendation for us, Rochelle? Yes, I do, and of course, it's something to do with World War II and Nazis. Oh, that um, makes sense. Yeah, well, it might be something better than this. I, I'm yeah. sure there's people listening to this podcast there's, that are into World War II yeah, and are disappointed in our coverage okay, there's, of it. There's two things. There's an audible, like an hour and a half thing, just talking about the Rudolph Hess flight, which you can look up and try out. I'll I'll send you guys a link on that. Okay. But the book I actually really like, that's history and interesting to me, um, is from. Eric Larson, the same guy that wrote Devil in the White City, oh, okay. a book that we did in a book club a while ago, called In the Garden of Beasts. And it's essentially Berlin. Uh, how many beasts are in this garden? Um, how many Nazis are there? Oh, that's that. a lot. There that's go. how many beasts. There's Nazis, there's Soviet spies, there's um, American ambassador daughters hanging out with all of them, there's people that are getting killed. Yeah, it's... A spy thriller, but it actually happened. But it's real. Yeah. So Berlin, 1933, William E. Dodd, a.k.a. this bumbling, people thought was a bumbling uh, ambassador to the the U.S. to Germany, mild-mannered academic from Chicago who becomes America's first ambassador, Hitler's Germany. This book tells a true story of love, intrigue, and emerging terror at the American embassy in Berlin during the 12 months that witnessed Hitler's rise to power in 1933. So it's the right, right at the beginning. It's also, you can see... There's this part you're like, oh, these guys are friendly. And they're like, oh, they're going to a hotel and killing people. Okay, these are the same people. All right, all right. So, yeah, there's... Ooh. But it's, yeah, it's all true. And then him trying to tell people, telling people in America after, when he comes back for a bit, hey, this is happening. And people, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. Oh, patting him on the head. You don't know what you're talking about. Hmm. I live there. I'm the, I, yeah, no, it's fine. So, yeah, if you really want to have an enjoyable time with World War II... That's... That book. Well, and Eric Larson tells a compelling story, yes, and a lot of people like Devil in the White City. So. Yeah, so if you like That's that That's Samantha's at all... polite way of saying, I didn't like Devil in the White City, but it's very popular. I did not like <laughs> no, Devil in the White City. I will say Devil in the White City. I like not the norm. I like Most the true crime part. It. I don't... The World hit, the world Fair was... Eh, I just wasn't fine. into that. I this one was it. straight up about the ambassador and his daughter, and then her connections okay. with all the people and... It was interesting to have not just Germany, it was American and then British people and Russian and having that kind of mixed together. And you're like, ah, yeah, this is actually mixed up together. It wasn't just good guys versus bad guys. There's a lot of gray in between. Yeah, more to it. Nice. Also, everyone should listen to the This American Life called Hitler's Yacht, which is one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. Oh, really? It's about this boat that's, like, contested whether or not it belonged to Hitler, and it turns into this, like, (laughs) huge... It's so... I, like, tears were pouring down my face the first time I heard that. Every, that's my gotta be my favorite World War II thing. Well, you also recommended the How Stuff Works about um, sea monkeys, which has a Nazi connection oh yeah which that was a good podcast too you can email us at perhaps it's you oh yeah are we plugging our shit now podcast at gmail i'm so tired from this world Uh, war ii episode if and my day you want to review us please give us five out of five robert stacks we only recept five star reviews (laughs) yes you can find us on patreon patreon.com slash perhaps it's you we put out a bonus episode a month what are we doing this month again? Mothman. Mothman. Yeah. Our latest one was about deadly women, yes. deadly delinquents. Check that out. And then we're also going to do El Chupacabra. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. I think. So follow us there. Um, Rochelle, do you want to plug your stuff? 
Where can they find you if they're interested? Uh, you have an Instagram, right? Rochelle.lzels at Instagram.com. Otherwise... You like photography, post some photos cool stuff. and stuff, yeah. I, do I think I'll so. make a new um, page for the website for guests so I can like link that. From Nazis that and really Sherlock Aren't you going to talk about and... Sherlock Holmes? When did you want to start your Sherlock Holmes podcast? Um, the Surecast. The Surecast? <laughs> the Surecast? <laughs> yeah. I thought it was going to be called like No Shit Sherlock. Yeah. Actually, I grew up near a barber shop called Sherlock Combs. <laughs> awesome. Did you know that? Like, oh. It's three puns. It's all pun. There's nothing left. There's is, no leftover fat in well, that. Well, that's there's, like a, the University of Minnesota has a really, has the biggest collection of Sherlock Holmes stuff. Oh, so your podcast could be going through that. Yeah. Uh, you're only allowed to do it once a year. And I'm also a nerd that half asses stuff. Uh, did yeah. you just see how our podcast works? <laughs> and yet we're the number one on iTunes. At some well, point I'll do something. They'll make your sense. podcast, we'll make sure to plug it. Yeah. yeah. There'll be trivia and stupid shit. I don't know what it would be, but yeah. Sure. Yeah. Stay not? tuned for that. Anything else? I don't think so. Right. Happy May Day. Look, if you need to fall asleep, watch this episode of Unsolved Mysteries. If Otherwise, you would, probably just skip it. Yeah, just skip it. I, I like World War II, but this is something you don't need to give a shit about. Seriously. it's no. In the books I have, it's barely a blip. So it's just an anomaly and stupid. Yeah. Yep. Bye. 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 <laughs>